Yorin, where's Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual, my producer, Marcus. What's up, Dub Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Boys, we are back to the three-man booth. Usual rules apply. No guest. So I just need you guys to bring it. Be entertaining, like thoughtful, hella funny. But also, I don't want you to be more entertaining, thoughtful, or funny than I am. So really fine line, however you guys want to walk it, up to you. So same as usual, just a little funnier than you are. Bingo, bingo. And I feel like you're not even listening in any way. You've already failed it. We are eight seconds. Maxine, just start this shit over, man. He's already screwed up the episode and I'm not even out of the intro. Uh, boys, we do in fact have a brand new segment. I'm looking forward to one we've been talking about for quite some time. But before we turn over to that, we got to acknowledge the bubble and we've got to talk about it. We are less than a week from NBA playoff basketball. Um, and so I've got a few questions for you guys. Let's start real easily. And I, I ask you this almost every week. Do either of you wish you were in the bubble? No, I mean, we, I think we talked about this last pod. I, don't, I think it would be like if I had to work in it, you know, like we talked about it. Um, I it's cool. It just, it seems like it would be pretty boring unless I had a really cool job. And, um, I know it's probably more safe than a lot of places, but, um, I don't know. It just, it seems like it'd be a little weird to, to be locked down in that bubble. If I was an employee and I could move in and out, then, um, I would want to do it. If I had to be a player locked in there, especially on a team that didn't have a chance, like on the wizards or somebody Kings, then I wouldn't want to be in it. I should have asked if anything changed. I like that you asked the question in the beginning, but didn't really <laughs> listen to it at all. What I said was, I like to check in every week. Would you guys like to be there now? And your immediate response was, we just talked about this last week. Why are we talking about it now? That's why I phrased the question the way I did. Maxime, hopefully you were listening. Dude. Did anything change with your response from last week to this one? Yeah, I want to be in the bubble more. I just don't get it. We are essentially already in a bubble. I feel like I'm locked in place. I'm, I'd be doing the same there that I'd be doing here, you know, which is like looking at Reddit and thinking about basketball. So, okay, but here's the thing is more than anything, what we don't get on the TV broadcasts is to actually hear all of the conversation that's happening on the court. And this is that rare moment where you'd be able to crystal clear, hear everything that's going on. And I want that so bad. Our uh, friend of the podcast, Sarah Todd, is within the bubble. And she's been nice enough to exchange texts with me just randomly over the last few weeks. And I asked her recently, how does it feel to be there? And her answer both made sense, but was also surprising. She said, reassuring. She said, being in a place that is protected from the rest of the world, having your goals and your day completely defined, just cover basketball and go back home, and then be covered with tests left and right, has left her both comforted and reassured. That makes sense to me, you know? Um, now, my response from last week hasn't changed. I don't, I'm not sure I'd want to be there, and I'm pulling all the things out of it that I want now. I'm getting to watch the games. But it was an interesting thing. Um, and actually, let me use this as a transition. MT, I know you've actually been there. So all of us, I mean, we're seeing video of the bubble, and I have an understanding that it's this giant campus. But I don't know what the hell that means. I've never been to Disney World. I've never been to Florida. You have, give us a sense. Why did you go out there and what is this campus made up of? When we say bubble, what are we talking about? 
Yeah, so uh, the bubble is on Disney's wide, wide world of sports complex. Um, I did a marketing campaign for them years ago and actually got to go to the complex and tour all of it to kind of, you know, know what we were going to be marketing and promoting. Um, it is huge, huge, huge. Um, at the time, I don't know if they've expanded or contracted it, but at the time, it took up 49 square miles, which is bigger than San Francisco. Um, San Francisco is only 46 or close to 47. Um, now, obviously, not all of that is land that is used, but I mean, the place where you saw players fishing, like they have a legit lake on there that is full of fish that you take a boat out and you just go fishing. Um, they have a legit real deal racetrack that, you know, you can ride race cars in. You know, I sat in a seat in the driver or in the passenger seat of a car and had a race car driver drive me around at 180 miles an hour. And it was intense. Um, and then you get to, you know, all the fields, they have baseball fields and you get to the basketball field, excuse me, um, court. And they have just a bunch of them. Um, the main one at the time was called the Milk House. Um, and it's just set up, you know, to, to broadcast and to have everything you would need to, to do what the NBA is doing. So the facilities are crazy. It's, um, you know, in a part of Orlando where Disney world just dominates the landscape. So it's, it's easy to bubble, you know, to create a bubble and lock people in there because there's not a ton going on outside of Disney world in that area for, for that reason. Um, but it's impressive. I mean, you know, you think Disney and you think of roller coasters and, you know, like Mickey Mouse and kind of entertainment in those rides, but you don't appreciate how um, in tune that whole complex is for athletes until you get there. You know what I've been meaning to ask you and that description uh, reminded me, do you wish you were there? Do you wish you were inside the bubble right now? Yeah. Go fuck yourself. I don't even want to hear your response. Um, let me shift a little bit. We, we have all joked and not really joked, but we've talked about that the Warriors are probably lucky to not be out there and they're just focusing on recovering. But do you think there's a single Golden State Warrior who actually wishes he was there? Um, and I'll take this one first and then turn it to you, Maxine. But, I, you know, all the big boys, I say no. Steph doesn't want to be there. Clay doesn't want to be there. There's no way Draymond wants to. I mean, the, the people who are going to be making giant differences, I'm sure, are perfectly fine being at the house. But I think there is a certain group of Warriors, the uh, Mike Mulders of the world, the Kai Bowmans, the people who are not completely positive that their NBA career is guaranteed going forward and they want to squeeze every last possible NBA minute out of their talent, right? I bet you they, if you know, have their proverbial face smashed up against the glass of that bubble, I bet you they do wish they were in there. Am I missing anyone? Am I off? What, what, what warriors do you think actually wish they were in Florida? Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I sort of see your point. I don't think any of the stars would want to be there. They got families and, and, you know, and, girlfriends to mac on or girlfriends to get or whatever but i do think that generally the warriors organization um would love to have some of the young guys there so you know i, I at the same time like i do wonder who we're missing out on um you know which of the stars or i guess which of the oh, nba sorry which of the warriors players would we want to see in the bubble because i feel like for example Clay could be a really great addition to the kind of um, litany of people kind of getting stuff off their chest. And I would love to see what he could bring to the table. 
You know why this is a weird thing to say, but why I'm kind of happy they are not there. So, you know, do I miss them? Of course, man. I've been watching the hell out of the NBA now that it's back and any random game that's on, I am consuming as hard and as fast as I possibly can. So do I wish that, you know, the Warriors were a part of this? Yes. But if I'm being totally transparent, I kind of like the optimism that the Warriors not being in the bubble has created. Because every game I'm watching, boys, I'm starting to think like, all right, well, when the Warriors bring everybody back, when they have the Splash Brothers, when uh, Wiggins has been factored in, when we get that top five pick and the TP and everything, I don't see one of these bubble teams being demonstrably better. You know, I, I can I can kind of jump down this optimistic rabbit hole thinking that the Warriors should be favored next year, not just title contenders. So not having that be played out in front of me and having any holes poked in the Warriors' golden future, I'm kind of happy about it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes sense. The, the one thing I wonder if it'd be beneficial to be there is it looks like at least the beginning of next season will have to be in a bubble. Right. So if everybody has to go to Orlando and play, like that's a severe disadvantage for the eight teams who weren't there, right? Because you're not sure. used to it. So um, I think it takes those, you know, eight to 10 games for those players and the Warriors included to get adjusted to playing without fans, to playing in front of the digital boards, to have, of course. you know, like the background be completely back, black, you know, behind a, the backboard when you're shooting, like all of that, um, I think is a reason why I would have loved for them just to have that experience because it looks like we're trending towards at least first half of the season next year being in the bubble. Well, and take away bubble basketball, make it just regular basketball. Right. So if if the overall goal of the Golden State Warriors is to keep Bram Hillsman as optimistic as they possibly can keep him, then they shouldn't be in the bubble, you know? But something tells me that's probably not their goal. <laughs> you know, if if the ultimate goal is to make sure they feel the most competent team they possibly can next year, yeah, dude. So yeah, one side they need to get ready to play in a weirdo setting, and all of these other teams are already doing that. On the other side, even if this was just normal hoop we are going to be having a team next year that's not used to playing with one another. You know, we've talked about this on this podcast before, but one of the really cool things about Hoop is that it is like music. You can be phenomenally talented, um, but that doesn't mean that you will make a phenomenal band with five other people who are equally as talented. Uh, that you have to actually practice playing with one another. So right now, this team has a lot of different parts that should work with one another, but they haven't had an opportunity to do so. We don't know how Clay fits in with these boys. We've never really seen Wiggins play with Steph. There's a lot of open questions, and we're not going to get to answer any of those until next year. And if they were in the bubble, some of it would, uh, some of it would be answered now. You know, there's, there is something, though. I think the, the biggest benefit that a team that is young and doesn't have much ability or much time spent playing together before could get is floor spacing. I think, you know, they, Rick is, these are all incredibly high-level professionals. Even on the shittiest teams in the league, you know, these guys are, are amazing. And so if they are given just a modicum more space to move and and like a half second more to think, you know that that's going to really benefit them and get them in their reps a lot quicker. Um, And maybe that's just a really weird segue to get to this idea that 
we're hearing right now that Steph is spending a lot of time not in the bubble, practicing really, really hard with um, with his personal trainer, Brandon Payne, and with Bruce Frazier. And it sounds like they're doing some really amazing, hard, hard work that you wouldn't normally get to do um, with unless you had this amount of time off. And so I'm thinking if Steph can be even better than he, than he was previously, uh, we're going to get that half second of space and you might be able to um, learn a little bit more on the fly than some of these other teams that don't have a floor spacer like Steph. Yeah. And I think the other part of it too, is like injuries, right? Like injuries are part of the game, no matter where you're playing inside or outside the bubble, they're going to happen. But because the season started at such a rapid clip, you know, when for restarted, um, it just, you know, like there's a strong case to be made that some of these players maybe got hurt because of that. Like you look at Jaron Jackson and Jonathan Isaac and Ben Simmons, like these are legit injuries that the stars are facing. And, you know, if we were in the bubble, there'd be pressure on Clay to come back. He would be putting that pressure on because he wants to play so bad. Um, you know, like how would they bring him back too, right? Exactly. So it's like, I I think just not having to deal with that at all is, um, a blessing in disguise because it's just like, okay, we get to reset and have a, as normal as possible ramp up to a full NBA season and how that, what those tolls are on your body and hopefully have a healthier season than last year's catastrophic one. It's the medical runway that you're talking about. Um, yeah. I mean, it, because if you did, if if they came in with the goal that I was just talking about, let's make sure all these boys get to play with one another before we go into next year. And Clay is theoretically cleared to come back, but he, you know, he hasn't played hoop for a year and they only have like eight games because they're not going to make the playoffs, presumably, and not presumably they're not going to make the playoffs. It wouldn't make any sense to try to bring him up to speed that quickly. Um, But enough focusing on the Warriors inability to play in the bubble. Let me ask you about some of the teams inside of it. Uh, Give me a quick prediction. And remember, I'm sure that Maddie Stats is somewhere listening right now, keeping us accountable about whether or not we're right. But who is going to be the eighth seed when the playoffs begin on Monday? What's up, Maddie Stats? Um, I'm going to go with Portland, I think. And obviously, Phoenix is red hot and Booker is killing it in there, you know, like the Cinderella of the restart. But. I just think Portland is a dangerous, dangerous team. Um, you know, it depend if CJ McCollum's back really is fractured, um, you know, that that makes things a lot tougher for them. But I still think they have enough firepower with Melo playing well and three legit bigs and Dame just killing it to to sneak in there and beat, you know, I think they win the last game and they get the eighth seed and they beat whoever the ninth seed is in a split series. I think they grab one of the two. I forgot how good Nurkic is. Um, that team, yeah. I mean, that, you know, that team is is actually not only top heavy, but they're deep. I mean, we know the the stars they have in Damian Lillard, um, but it's not just based on the top five. They actually have a lot of talent on that squad. I agree, and I won't belabor the obvious. Is it a clean sweep? Where are you, Maxim? Yeah, I agree, and I also just want to call out Melo having some some golden year uh, resurgence. Uh, I think he's been playing phenomenally. And that's a nice thing to see speaking of depth. Um, but I also do want to point out, I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong. There's, there's only one more game, right? So a lot of this stuff is going to be decided tomorrow. Meanwhile, the Grizzlies have the tiebreaker uh, against the Suns um, for that ninth seed spot into the play-in tournament. And I think that's really interesting because um, the Grizzlies are playing the Bucks tomorrow and Giannis just got ejected for a game because of that headbutt 
So that really could decide a lot of who gets into that plan tournament. And I think that's really interesting. And, and if that is the case, I kind of feel bad for the Suns to get this close and then end up not even getting into the plan tournament. I've read like maybe 10 articles today trying to figure out how the play-in scenarios ultimately work. And I can tell you that they are more complicated than like the ingredients to Coke. I have no idea. I'm just waiting until Monday. And actually, no, I'm waiting until Saturday and Sunday because there will be some play-in games. And I would imagine there's going to be a five-second uh, five segment up front that explains to me how we got there, right? But well, no, it's it, even, yeah, it's hard to cut you off. But it's even crazier is back to Nurkic. Nurkic used to be on the Nuggets, and he, it, Nurkic and Jokic used to be on that Nuggets team. Like, that's crazy. They traded him because they were like, oh, these two can't play together. And, <laughs> Did you, know, you like, just stop my momentum to make sure that we <laughs> talked about the Denver Nuggets history? <laughs> Who gives a shit about what used to happen in Denver? What is going on over there, MT? Get your crap together, dude. This is not the Denver Nuggets huddle. But I, I'll give you a Portland question so that it's moving in the right, uh, the right direction. If Portland does, in fact, get out, um, and they make it into the eighth seed. And that's a very popular pick. In fact, Charles Barkley not only said that Portland would make it into the eighth seed, he has now predicted that Portland will be in the West Finals. Already said if they get the eighth spot, they're going to beat the Lakers. You did yeah. say that. Yes. Not only that. What's that? I think they could get to the finals. The NBA Finals? Yes. Okay. No, they, you think? You think they, they, you think they could? Or are they going to? I'll just say, okay, let me say this. Say if they get the A spot, they will beat the Lakers. You already got yeah, that one. Yeah, we got that one already. Okay. No, but, but will they? You said they're going to go to the NBA Finals. You said they could. No, I want to hear a definitive answer. He's not going to go there. You're not going there yet. You're not going there yet. The, <sighs> the Portland Trailblazers are getting to the finals. Okay. But that means we've got a first round matchup with the Lakers versus Portland. How far do the Lakers make it? Do you think they get out of that first round or are we all still positive they are a lock for at least the Western Conference Finals? And also, MT, if you can tell us a little bit about Denver's player history in this answer, that'd be phenomenal. <laughs> Yeah, established in 1942, the Denver Nuggets were not. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the Lakers are good. And, you know, when you get LeBron in playoff mode and Anthony Davis focused, um, I, I don't think I don't think Portland can beat them, but I do think they make it interesting. I think it goes six, maybe even seven, um, and they put a little scare into them. But yeah. I don't think Portland has enough especially with McCollum hurt to legitimately win that series. If McCollum was hundred percent healthy, then, you know, I think they have a puncher's chance at beating the Lakers because they don't have Rondo and Bradley. And those are two people that they really need to stop that backcourt. The only thing, so I, if I had to bet on this, um, I would bet the Lakers and I'm sure that there'll be a pretty heavy favorite in that series price. You can bet on specific series and I'm sure Vegas will make them a huge favorite against whoever they're playing and that opening round, the only thing that kind of caught my attention. So LeBron's kind of an interesting dude, um, at least as far as alpha dogs go. And unlike most alpha dogs in my life, LeBron is not against using an excuse. We saw in the finals, he showed up after they lost with a cast on his hand, the type of thing that we never really saw Jordan do. And last week, and I don't have the quote in front of me, but LeBron insinuated that there was something going on behind the scenes. And there's no reason to do that. I don't, I don't understand why it came out. And 
you can at least read it as a pre-excuse that he's talking about these things that are challenges before they have even entered the playoffs. If I was a Lakers fan, I'd be a little worried. You know, I'd be a little worried, but I still think they're ultimately able to beat Portland. Bram, I'm going to let you finish, but I just got to let you know that the Nuggets were actually founded in 1967. <laughs> God damn it, Marcus. At least get your... You didn't even give me the year right, dude. And uh, you, I appreciate you letting me finish. That's fantastic. If you can, just splash in Nuggets facts as we go forward. Uh, it will be... I believe they were the Baltimore Nuggets before that. Really look, look, okay. <laughs> well, I'm not even going to make this joke anymore because it is time to move on. Uh, let me use this as a random transition to get something off my chest because honestly, I've been kind of distracted. Um, something happened yesterday that I don't know if I'm very proud of. In fact, I feel like I'm a little embarrassed by, but maybe you'll let me off the hook. Let me give you some background and then I'll ask you whether or not uh, if, if I was appropriate with my action. So the background. Gentlemen, I don't like what I'll call community building exercises. Every now and again in my life, I'm presented with a new group of people. I started a new job. I'm at a new summer camp. It's the first day of a new school. And whoever is in charge of that thing makes you do some kind of an exercise to meet new people. A name game, a what do you guys have in common game, something where you sit down with a stranger and you have to get to know them quickly. They, they just always make me feel awkward. And right now I've been surrounded by them. My daughter's getting ready to start up kindergarten. We signed her up for this private school. And they have so many obligations and all of these damn things. And yesterday we had a Zoom orientation. So I hop up on this Zoom call and there are 35 other brand new kindergarten families on there and ahead of school. And, you know, it's the exact type of scenario I normally don't like, but it's a Zoom call, right? So we're not going to have any interactions. I figure I can just put it on mute and I'm literally going to play video games through it. That was my plan. So we start the thing up and the head of school shares their screen with everybody showing the, uh, showing the schedule for this orientation. And 20 minutes in, I... I see community building exercise. They are going to make everybody in this Zoom call break up into groups of random 10 and do something where you have to figure out what you have in common. So long story short, dude, I saw that, saw exactly when it was scheduled. It was scheduled for eight minutes into the conversation and seven minutes into the conversation, gentlemen, I faked internet problems and left the meeting. Just didn't do it at all. It completely disappeared for 15 minutes, came back in, was like, oh, weird, I missed the community thing, and then just continued to play video games. And when my wife asked me about it later, I told her I did attend, but had some internet problems and it was what it was, which leads to this. Wrong. Like, you know, like, dude, I'm going to, I'm taking care of my daughter. She's going to go to the school. I'm sure I'm going to meet these people. But I did lie to them in my first interaction talking about internet problems. So, bad person, good person. How could I have done that better? I think you're a normal person in that situation. I mean, it's, it's awkward. And, you know, like, at, those are awkward in general. Adding Zoom to the equation just makes it, you know, doubly hard to deal with. But, I think you did sign yourself up to be the internet problem guy in their minds for, you <laughs> know, for all, forever, as long as your <laughs> daughter is in school with them and they'll just know that you were the one who, who feigned internet problems and that, you know, probably wasn't true. So as long as you're okay with that label, you know, I think it was fine. The first time we see each other in person, who knows what that'll be, you know, 2025 or whatever. <laughs> but the first time we see each other in person, I'll keep mouthing things, but not actually say anything. And I'll have a shirt that says internet problems. And we'll just, <laughs> we'll just see how that goes. Maxima, I don't feel like either of you guys would do what I did. So would you do that? Would you fake internet problems to avoid an awkward situation? And wasn't I an asshole to do it? 
Uh, you know, I would, and in fact, I have. I have definitely faked <laughs> internet problems to get off of a call I did not want to be on. I didn't, like, bounce out midway. I just texted and said, yo, I can't figure it out. I don't know what's happening. Bad spot of service. I'm going through a tunnel, something like that. Um, and... <laughs> Fantastic. That makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, no, I don't trip about it. And in fact, I will even take it one step further. Um, I recall a time sitting out in your backyard uh, after your daughter's bedtime when uh, she snuck out and was peeking at us from behind the curtain. And I recall you saying, oh, this is actually great. She's finally, you know, she's learning to lie. That's an important skill. And I think that's totally true as a parent. So you are just reinforcing this positive behavior that you want to see in your child. I think it's great as she goes to a new school. I really felt like when I shared with you that I wanted my daughter to be a really effective liar, it was going to stay between you and I. It's, it's weird that we're finding ourselves discussing that in this open forum, but uh, I digress back to basketball, gentlemen. Draymond Green has been unbelievable, at least in my opinion, in the TNT booth. Um, and just last week, he's, he's had a lot of highlights, but just last week we had another highlight. He had this exchange uh, regarding Devin Booker. It's great to see Book playing well and Phoenix playing well, but get my man out of Phoenix. It's, it's not good for him. It's not good for his career. Sorry, Chuck, but uh, wow. Book, they got to get Book out of Phoenix. I need my man to go somewhere where he can play great basketball all the time and win because he's that type of player. Are you tampering? Maybe. <laughs> Which leads me to this question. So, you know, they asked him are you tampering? And he said, maybe. And he got fined $50,000 for it. And I do believe he was tampering. And I'll explain this in a second, but let me turn it into a question. Do you guys think that Draymond Green was recruiting Devin Booker? No. And not because Devin Booker is not a great player and or Draymond Green doesn't want to play with him, but he's just redundant for the Warriors roster. We already have, you know, arguably the best backcourt in the league and one of the best ones of all time. So where does Booker fit into that? Um, he's not an amazing defensive player. So I don't think you slide Clay to the three to make room for Booker. I mean, if you, you know, just get him because he's a free agent and he wants to sign like Kevin Durant did, then, you know, we're not going to say no. But I think Draymond was just doing that because he looks out for players and players that he has personal relationships with or just wants to see do well, you know, in this business. And he just felt like and continue to feel like Phoenix is uh, not a good place for players to grow. I think Draymond always has a plan. I think that there is no question at all that he was recruiting Devin Booker. But I also think that there's no question at all he was not recruiting Devin Booker to the Warriors. So, yeah, man, I mean, the, would the Warriors like to add a max level talent? Of course. And is Devin Booker probably a max level talent? Yes, he is. But do they want to add that to a backcourt that's already loaded? No, it doesn't make any sense. They wouldn't really be able to make a move. So who's he recruiting him for? Devin Booker is in the process, presumably, of selecting a new agent. His old agent, Leon Rose, just got hired by the Knicks out of CAA. Theoretically, Booker could stay with CAA or theoretically, he might be looking for a new agent. If he is, and Draymond is now hook, line, and sinker, a part of Clutch Media, there's no question what he was doing. You know, he was, he was throwing his opinion out there, putting his hat in the ring and was recruiting Devin Booker, just not as a part of Golden State. He was recruiting him into LeBron's entourage um, and under that umbrella. Um, what so do you think? Clutch, does Clutch pay that? $50,000 fine then? I don't, well, I, I think that they make Draymond enough money off the books 
that they won't have to give him any money on the books. But when I looked up who his agent was, and the story was that in February is when um, Rose started negotiating and was probably going to leave. And, you know, it, it just seems like it's a, it's a fairly straightforward analysis. There's not a whole lot of moving parts on it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's, that's an astoundingly uh, on point take. I can't believe that. I mean, I guess I can believe it. You know, that's some like the rest of us are out here playing checkers and you're playing chess. I think that's brilliant. And I think it's also just at the same time a next level troll against the Suns um, yep. <laughs> for all of the reasons. The, the Suns are a joke. So, you know, you get Devin Booker out of there, get him signed with Clutch. Brilliant. What, what's he saying is we know how great you are. We know you're not in the right situation and we know how to put you in the right situation. And he said it in front of the entire league, in front of the entire world. And he, and he you know, does nothing but ingratiate himself to an amazing player. I, I credit to Draymond, honestly, if that's what the hell he was doing. But here is my final question, boys, before we get to our brand new segment. And it's one that's become very popular recently. Is Damian Lillard better than Stephen Curry? And we've been seeing that left and right, not only because of what Portland has been doing, but because of what Dame's doing specific. I think he just put up a 61 spot just last night. So, you know, we are seeing it left and right. Um, and I've done a little research on this one. So I will take my first crack at it. I think this question, Lillard v. Steph, is actually two different questions, man. We're asking both looking backward, who's better, and going forward. So let's take that first one first, looking backward. Well, no question at all, gentlemen. And it's simple stats. I looked this up, and this is via the help of Land of Basketball. So if any of this is wrong, send your hate mail to them. But it turns out these are the things that Steph Curry has more than Damian Lillard. And we should point out that Steph has been playing um, for two extra years. But Steph has more titles, more all-star games, more MVPs, more all-NBA selections. He has a better percentage from the field, the line, and the three. He has better points per game in the playoffs, better rebounds per games in the playoffs, better assists per games in the playoffs, better steals per games in the playoffs, and perhaps most telling, after playing against each other 30 times in the regular season and the playoffs, Steph is 24-6 and six against Dame. And here's the biggest go-to stat, boys. Steph is 10-0. and 10-0 and versus Lillard in the playoffs. So if we're looking backwards, there's not a whole lot to argue about. And look, I love Dame. I'm from Oakland. He's my adopted player for this stretch. None of this is meant to suggest that Lillard isn't a next-level talent. But if we're talking about what they've done up until now, it's, it's ludicrous. It's preposterous to assume that they've had the same career, which leads to the second question. Going forward, right? Now, this is the stuff of bar arguments. You know, no one, you, you need a time machine to really be able to tell which one of these guys is going to be a better player, you know, if we look back 10 years from now. But I do have, and it's, that's the wrong way to put it. I do have a, an argument for why, again, it is Steph hook, line, and sinker. If you brought in all the GMs of the league and you asked them who they would like to build around, going forward. Not individually, not who's the better player, but if you had to start a franchise and what you're going to do next, I am confident that 90% of the GMs would say Steph, and I am positive having done a vote on at Warriors Huddle. On Twitter, we hopped up and I asked this very question. You know, if, if GMs had to pick one of these guys, who would they pick around? Of the 250 votes we got, gentlemen, in the last couple hours, 98% of the people and let's say Warriors <laughs> huddle account. So there's probably more Warriors fans, but 98% of them all said Steph over Dick. 
So I, I think this is a false lead. I don't even think it's an argument. Um, but I'm open to disagreement. Are you guys on the other side of this? No, no. I think, and I think, you know, I, I think Warriors fans are perhaps less biased than that might imply that that's 98% towards Steph because we have a history of um, knowing that there are better players elsewhere in the league. And I think that points to another really important point, which is that when Steph came onto our team, um, we hadn't been to the playoffs in, in, I mean, forever, since the franchise was founded practically. And meanwhile, Portland has a pretty consistent history of making it into the playoffs and actually getting pretty far. So in terms of the distance from which each of these players have taken their teams to the heights that they've been taken to, there's also no comparison. So I just hands down, I would prefer Steph over Dame when starting a team. MC? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think that, I mean, it's no shocker that 98% of Warriors fans would pick Steph. Um, I agree with Maxine that it's not quite as biased as that suggests, but, uh, you know, it, in the end, Steph Curry is probably a better defender than Damian Lillard. And I know Maverick Carter probably doesn't want to hear that, but, uh, you know, and then when you go to the offensive side, the the part that doesn't get is hard to quantify is the gravity that Steph Curry creates on the court. Like his, he's so focused on by the defense that he creates all these other opportunities for other players. Um, and it's something that he does moving around and it's just a different type of style than Dame. Dame is, you know, take you off the dribble, but he's not running around, you know, a la Richard Hamilton or Ray Allen um, kind of like Steph does. So I think, you know, when you factor it all in, Steph is definitely the better player. Um, definitely looking backwards, and I would still take him moving forwards as well. Um, but I, I think it's close. I mean, you know, Dame has been doing this a long time. He has a ton of huge games. Um, he doesn't show up in the playoffs as much as you would hope, but he's not like Kyle Lowry not showing up in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, it's close, and Dame is like you, Bram, he's my favorite player, not in a Warriors jersey um, because he's from Oakland, obviously, as first and foremost, but also he's just a fun player to watch. And when he goes on a run, you know, like he just does it so calmly and he's so talented that it's just, it's fun to watch. Um, so, but at the end of the day, I, I, I agree with every GM and the Warriors fans. I think you pick Steph 10 times out of 10, if not nine, um, anytime you're choosing between the two. Somewhere Kyle Lowry is like, what the f***? Like, why? You know, I don't even know. And also, fun fact about Kyle Lowry, he's never played for the Denver Nuggets. I don't know if you guys knew that, but uh, was just never a member of that franchise. Uh, to kind of put a bow on this and to agree with you guys, if it was one-on-one, if my life depended on you know picking a winner of a one-on-one game and it's Jeff versus Damian, I'm probably taking Lillard, if I'm being honest with you. If the science existed where you could have four people um, twice, you have the exact same teammates on two different teams and Steph's on one of their teams and Lillard's on the other, now my money's on Steph because he makes a team of five people better than Lillard does, even if one-on-one Lillard is uh, perhaps the better individual player. All right, enough uh, appetizer. We talked right from the jump that we have a new segment. We do. Marcus, it's yours. What do we got? Oh, so we got a new segment. I'm excited to launch it and see what you guys think. So definitely let us know. Hit us up on Twitter or over email. Let us know what you think about it. Um, I was looking back at this past Warriors games before the bubble started and 
um, saw a couple players and I was like, man, I wonder what that guy's doing right now. So um, I looked it up and it was just interesting to kind of see what those former warriors are doing. So we thought we'd turn it into a segment. Um, the horrible name that's not very creative is where are they now? We may rename it, but the concept is simple. Um, there's a lot of great players and players who are part of our championship teams who are no longer with the Warriors. Um, and we want to know what they're doing, what they're up to right now. So um, in this segment, I will pick a player and then ask Bram and Maxine both to give me their guesses of what they're doing right now, where they're at, what they're doing, what's going on in their life. And then I will provide the answer and we can talk about it. So um, the first player I chose is none other than the Brazilian blur, hmm. Leandro Barbosa. Um, great player. He played for the Warriors for two years, including the championship team um, where he won the first championship and then also the one where we, the season where we won 73 games. So, um, gentlemen, where do you think Leandro Barbosa is right now? So in anticipation of this, I was kind of thinking like, what does that mean? Where is he and what goes into this? And for me, it's a couple of different questions. It's where physically, you know, Leandro is currently and then what he's doing for a living of anything. So looking at Leandro, let's see. Um, Leandro had enough success. He got the title with the Warriors. International dude, he is Brazilian. So I bet you he's had enough success where he doesn't he doesn't, it's not the kind of guy who has to be working right now. He's not that player who's like a third grade teacher somewhere or, you know, has his own line of car washes that he actually has to show up to. So where is he at? I bet you he's living back in Brazil. What is he doing? I'd say some, like just having the time of his life with some bullshit job. Um, so he is the assistant coach on like a soccer team out there. Uh, has, has the actual title, but doesn't actually do anything. And in fact, spends his days just kicking it on the beach, not giving a shit, showing anybody who will look his Warriors ring. <laughs> nice, Maxime. <laughs> oh, I love that you threw that in right at the end. Yeah, I feel like he's he's probably got like a new line of athleisure wear. Um, that like plays subtly on some of the blue and gold thematic stuff and then like weaves in specifically the elements of his championship ring. Uh, I feel like, yeah, he's, he's definitely in Brazil. This is a Brazilian athleisure wear line. I like the idea of the athleisure. I love that. In fact, I'll, I like, I, I will add another little thing that he had somewhere along the line, a failed enterprise in a new sports drink that was like on some oh. like heavy yes. vitamin C shit like acai berry that he found in Brazil that he thought he could definitely make happen. But he, you know, he cut the cord on it before it brought him to bankruptcy and he went back to his daily activities of, have you seen my ring? Yeah. Yeah. He probably like <laughs> hit up 50 cent and was like, listen, I know you got a steak and vitamin water, but you got to check out vitamin C water and 50 cents like, yo, that's way too close. And so then I don't know, he called up like ice cube or something instead um, I, I agree with most of that, except for what 50 Cent said was, who the hell are you and how did you get this number? <laughs> and then Leandro just showed him the ring. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen my ring? That's exactly right. Well, that's, uh, you've got our guesses. Where is Mr. Barbosa? Mr. Barbosa, unfortunately, does not have his own athleisure wear called blur clothing, but good guess, Maxime. And he's also not coaching a youth team or assistant coach. He is actually still playing basketball. You were no. both correct. 
Wow. He is in Brazil, but he's playing in the Brazilian league and he's literally a top player in the league. And he was the top scorer. He averaged 20 points per game this last season. Um, so he's still got it. He's 37, but still trucking along. Um, still got how many a people are in that him. league, like six or seven. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd like to know how many people he's beat out for that. And also to be fair, my guess is that he's the only person within that league who has access to his next level sports drink. So who knows <laughs> how much that scoring title is actually due to his talent as opposed to his hydration. And I'm not sure we'll ever know. Good point. Good point. He also <laughs> in other news and related news, um, he and his wife tested positive for COVID-19 and they found oh. out when they gave birth to their daughter back in March. Okay. So um, thankfully, all three of them are okay and happy and healthy now. And their daughter did not have it when she was born, but they've made a full recovery. And uh, Leandro is looking forward to resuming the season in Brazil and being one of the top scorers. So shout out to Leandro. Thanks again for bringing the championship to the Bay for us and for helping with the best regular season win of all time. Um, he's always a favorite player of mine and uh, coming off the bench and giving us some timely buckets. So, um, if you still got it, we'll take him, you know, he can come in next season for us and help out a little bit off the bench. I'll take it. He had a bunch of great quotes. And one of the things you guys don't know is one of the amazing features of this segment is that when Marcus brings us up to speed on the person, he's going to give us a bullet point that makes you feel hell of sad for a second. And then he, <laughs> then he brings it right back around. And then he brings it right back around. And you're like, oh, that was a full journey. Like I felt like I watched a movie. I got sad, but now I'm good. And there is some triumph. So another reason to look forward to uh, where are they now or whatever the hell we'll be calling it uh, the next time we visit this segment. Boys, huge fun always fun. I won't do the full breakdown. Instead, I'll just say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to tell us anything about how we can do it better or worse, anything, our email account is warriorshuddle at gmail.com. Our Twitter account is at warriorshuddle. And we are on Patreon where we appreciate your support. Go Warriors. Hopefully, I'll see you next week. Good, good.